Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss two Christmas films, Falling for Christmas and Spirited. You do not have to have seen either a film to watch the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen them, just be aware, there may be spoilers. Enjoy! Merry Christmas, Paddy. Welcome to Big Boy's Christmas. He said that just like that that famous clip of the man from uh, JLS. Do you know the one I mean? <laughs> yes, Saying Merry yeah. Christmas and Last Christmas by Wham. For those who haven't seen it, you'll recall that Last Christmas by Wham goes, there's a bit, I think just before the second verse, when the second verse comes in, you can hear George Michael whispering, Merry Christmas. I wrapped it up and sent it with a note saying I love you, I meant it. Just a little, little bit of extra song there for you. Um, there's a there's a version that the the British boy band JLS did on on TV probably a decade or more ago. And instead of whispering "Merry Christmas," one of the lads just goes "Merry Christmas." It's very very good. And you said it just like that, and that made me that cheered me up. So thank you. Oh well, you're welcome. We're all in need of some Christmas cheer, aren't we? Yes. And to ruin your Christmas cheer, do you know what Christmas jumper I'm wearing right now? Oh, what is it? Oh, is it Richard and Mortimer? It is Richard oh, and God. Mortimer. It's got a giant, giant, giant Richard face on it. ugly Richard face on it. <laughs> it says, let's get festive. It's, yeah. Let's get festive. Let's get swifty. Or swiftive yep. or, or, or something. Um, for Schwift. our listeners, I did not deliberately buy a Richard and Mortimer Christmas jumper. Um, sure I did a... <laughs> I did a random mystery box Christmas jumper that just so happened to be a Richard and Mortimer one and the delight on my face when I opened it knowing that this would forever annoy Paddy. Um, I refuse to believe that. Gift. <laughs> just like I refuse to ever learn what Swifty means. I will never, <laughs> uh, that knowledge will never enter my brain. That cursed knowledge. My brain is closed well, there, off. <laughs> there is no meaning to get Swifty. <laughs> That's somehow worse. <laughs> was it actually a mystery Christmas jumper? It was, yeah, yeah. I ordered a random mystery Christmas jumper. It could have been anything. Could have been anything. Some of the options were Harry Potter ones, so I was like crossing my fingers, just anything but Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Um, there was some really cool stuff in there, and it ended up being Richard and Mortimer, and to be honest, it, it's extremely funny that it happened to be a Richard and Mortimer one. You're 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 lucky, I suppose. Yeah, you d- you dodged a bullet with the Harry Potter one. <laughs> Didn't get or a transphobe Christmas. <laughs> you dodged you dodged the Avada Kedavra curse, <laughs> the Cruciatus curse. Yeah, someone better expelliarmus the transphobia in this country. Yeah, quick one on that. I've been rereading um, Tales from Earthsea. And it's original Wizard School from the sixties, and it's way better than Harry Potter. So don't read Harry Potter; read that instead. Yeah, read um, Earthsea. Read any other young adult fantasy book series; they're all really good, generally. Yeah. Um, but uh, not you could read Percy Jackson, which mm-hmm. apparently is good. I never read it as a child. I didn't. They think it's after our time, but I've seen the first film, and that was surprisingly good. Ah, oh, very good. I think they're redoing them, aren't they? The Percy Are Jacksons. They? 
Yeah. They only made them yesterday. <laughs> yesterday was like 15 years ago now. I'm also 100 years old. <laughs> we, we're getting old, Faddy. We are, we are. The, um, I read a, a, a work today, we were talking about how kind of Gen Z people communicate and were sharing articles on it and saying that if you if you write a message in like um, your work's instant mess- messaging platform or, or even like emails to a Gen Z person and you include like any punctuation, they think it's like cold and formal and that you're pissed off with them because they're so yeah. used to just texting yeah. with nothing but words and no punctuation. Just the words, no punctuation. And also which um, emojis you use is a real uh, highlight of, of where you are uh, in in terms of age brackets. The and crying emoji for laughing is apparently yep. uh, something that us horrible old millennials do. Yeah. One, one thing I've noticed which is concerning me is that there's been some millennials who have been like angry at Gen Z for being Gen Zers. It's and not it's their like, fault. No. It's not like we need to break the cycle of older generations being like, oh, you've got it so easy, or oh, you don't understand the world. They didn't you know to what? be born. We were, <laughs> we, were, we were the economically screwed generation where, where everything started breaking down, but we were still taught the expectations of working hard, and that's the important thing, and getting a degree. Whereas I think with Gen Z, they've realised know the world's on fire what's important is making tiktoks and stopping bad people from doing bad things yeah so for me we are the cuck generation millennials (laughs) are the cuck generation where all of the all of the historic stuff that was embedded on us from previous generations has made us completely inactive when we needed to change things Whereas Gen Z, when you hear them talking about things like social justice and stuff like that they're incredibly clued in yeah, it's too so, late so for us So Gen now. Zers. It's too late for us. We're old. Yeah. We're pointless. The Gen Zers are the ones who are going to save us all. Yeah, I mean, have you seen the kind of millennials who have been becoming politicians? Awful. Awful yeah. people. Not good. We need the Gen Zers to come in and, like, dab on, in Parliament. And then... Millenni- <laughs> millennials should only be allowed to do podcasts. <laughs> we should only... Yeah, Gen Xers should only be allowed to... Um, run record stores. Uh, millennials should only be allowed to 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 run podcasts, to do podcasts, and then we should just hand over actual power to Gen Z. That that's my opinion, anyway, as a millennial. Yeah. Um, and I think we should run on this platform as long as we get to keep doing our podcast. I'm fine with. We it. can do our podcast, and we can look look at the Gen Z as changing the world for the better, and go, ah, oh, they've sure done a better job than anyone from our generation. We we just spent all our time doing quizzes to work out which Harry Potter house we were going to be in. Yeah, and watching Christmas rom-coms on on Netflix because those aren't for the Gen Zers, are they? They're not watching. <laughs> they're not watching Falling for Christmas, are they? Like, no, no. Um, yeah, before we move on TikTok to anyway, they don't watch films. I think. Be- but, like... Before we move on to talk about Falling Falling for Christmas, um, can I just point out? And I know that loads of other people have pointed this out before. How weird it is in Harry Potter that you have. You've got the brave house, the smart house, the loyal house, and the fascist house. Yeah. Why not just get rid of the fascist house? Or if someone gets put in the fascist house, be like, eh, off your pop. Yeah. 
It's like, yeah, they just sort out the fascists and get rid of them at the beginning, and then the book's only, like, three chapters long. <laughs> We've got the literal Nazi house. Because the people there, there's no there's no positives to being in Slytherin. It does Isn't just mean it that you're they're a bad like, human being. They're cunning and wily. It's, the, yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to give like a positive spin on that, isn't it? That they yeah, can but, like solve problems and stuff. I don't yeah, know. They, they've got lateral thinking skills. But what yeah. you find is that they never show them at all. I'd say the least cunning person in the entirety of the book series is Malfoy. Yeah, he is useless, isn't he? <laughs> He's totally <laughs> He's really useless. really rubbish. He's literally just a Nazi. He's not even a, good at Quidditch. A magic Nazi. No, no. Um, but anyway, yeah, let's move on then. Um, I just wanted to make that point. Another massive hole in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> um, They're getting bigger every day. They're like are black you, holes. Are you going like, to play Hogwarts Legacy? The when game it, when where it comes to the Switch, sl- it's not going to come <laughs> to the Switch till July. So I don't know. Maybe. Um, I I would recommend not because fascists will still make money from it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm done with Harry Potter, really. I think when the time comes for my children to be of age to read it, I probably will read it to them, but I will tell them, as as the meme goes, I will tell them that Hatsune Miku wrote it. And, and, <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to, like, get a little sticker and put it over the name on the cover. I mean, I mean, the thing is that you can pick up the Harry Potter books secondhand everywhere. So when the time comes that they want to read it, just buy them secondhand so none of the money goes back into the transphobia murder machine. We've still got uh, our ones running. Don't worry. Oh, there we go. So yeah. you've still got yours. Um, I will not be buying it, not only because it gives money to transphobia and transphobic causes, um, but also because, do you know the plot of Hogwarts Legacy? No. I think you, you might stop- have talked to me about this before, but I've blocked it out. <laughs> you stop a slave uprising. That's the plot. Oh, that's right, yeah. Awful. <laughs> How twisted is that? You are the hero. You stop slaves from being free. I'm sure that, I mean, there's got to be some kind of, can, like, inversion of that at some point. Surely. They can't Why couldn't just they have just straight? made a sort of open world, here's Hogwarts Castle and the grounds in, like, in incredible 3D. Hogsmeade as well. All the secret passages and everything in incredible open world 3D. Just have that and fuck around in it. Play some yeah. Quidditch, you know. Why did they have to tack that on? Everyone wants open made... world games now, apart from me, obviously. But like, <laughs> they could have made Grand Theft Auto Hogwarts, and it would <laughs> yeah, have been amazing. Exactly. But but instead, The Elder Scrolls um... Six Hogwarts. <laughs> exactly. You know, there is a wizard school in Skyrim. Is there? One of the quest quest lines is a wizard school. Oh, that's um, cool. It's not. It's not particularly good. It's probably the weakest of the main quest lines. But um, or oh, No Man's yeah, Hogwarts. It's... No man's Hogwarts, exactly. <laughs> I know loads about video games now. When I first started doing this show, I knew nothing because I hadn't really been into games before. And in the last couple of years, I've kind of since COVID, I've kind of steadily gotten back into it. So where I now feel like I'm sort of vaguely knowledgeable about knowledgeable about it, to probably to you the detriment of this show. I know what games are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what games are now? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think um, I will not be buying Hogwarts Legacy. No. Also because to 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 talk in a way that the Gen Zers will recognise. Game looks mid, man. It looks <laughs> mid AF. <It> looks mid. <laughs> Is that what they say? Yeah. You know, I have heard. Have, have you not heard mid before? I feel like I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks look mid. M- it looks mid AF. It looks generic, boring tripe, and there will no doubt be a million indie games that are far more interesting. That come okay. out at the same time. No, nothing Burger has only just made it into my daily usage after like that was the ah. word of the year three years ago or whatever. So you know, <laughs> mid I'll get I'll get there eventually. I'll get used to it. <laughs> get I'll go on a mid journey. 
I'm down with the kids, you see, because I write about video games. You are. You you know about all of their language. Mid, I've got to be Schwifty. aware of the <laughs> mid, Swifty, Richard and Mortimer. <laughs> what all of the youngsters are talking about. Can you imagine if someone from like 30 years ago came forward in time and had to listen to the first few minutes of this podcast? They would be so confused. <laughs> at all the shit we're talking about. All, all went backwards in time, or to be honest, listen to it right now. Yeah, exactly. It's, everything everything is a confusing mess and it's chaotic. And I'm sorry that we're offering you long form content instead of 10 second TikToks. But I think Lindsay Lohan's comeback as it's being billed is is worth dedicating time to, right? I think so. And let's 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 smoothly move through to talking about let's this old swiftly move into it because this is a <laughs> double bill. Move on. This is going to be a long episode, but like yeah, it's a because I couldn't make it last week because yeah, everyone's been ill in my house but we're all we're all better now it's on the up it's all good and you know festive Absolutely. films are important so double bill of festive fun first up yeah falling for christmas <laughs> you said you said that so aggressively <laughs> double bill of festive fun <laughs> you'll have this double bill of festive fun and you will feel <laughs> the spirit of christmas um so <laughs> Anyway, Falling for Christmas, or as I kept wanting to call it, Falling in Love, which is a film that we previously discussed on this Falling podcast. in love. Yeah. Um, but Falling for Christmas is yeah, typical old Netflix rom-com uh, at Christmas time. Um, Lindsay Lohan is yeah. the up-and-atom mega-rich city girl who then um, goes out to a very snowy place uh, and falls for the humble ski resort owner, <laughs> which doesn't quite work no, in terms of doing that kind of own class dynamic. He's he's down on his luck. <laughs> he's down on his luck. He just happens to own a very very nice, nice quite cozy large lodge, ski lodge that I would call a resort because it's huge and it's got lots of people in it. Yeah. Um, well, the size of it seems to vary quite a lot depending on what needs to happen in the film, doesn't it's, it? It's the tar- uh, TARDIS Lodge. That's yeah. its official name. He's the new Doctor. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, um, and then, yeah, she... What happens in this movie is Lindsay Lohan, our fave, um, has an accident and gets amnesia. Uh, when she gets amnesia, she then gets looked after by Cord Overstreet, um, who is a man from a show that I think you watched. Did you watch? Um, yes, he was one of the main guys in Glee. in Glee. Yes, he came. He wasn't in the first. I think he came in in like season three or four, maybe. There were like eight seasons. After season four or five, it really lost its way. But the first few I really liked, although we we rewatched it, I think a couple of years ago, and found that it really had not aged well. But in the sort of 2011, 2012 time. Oh, no, sorry, it was earlier than that. It started when we were at university, Glee. Um, so I think it started in 2010. And those first few years of it, it was a show that me and my wife watched together in the early days of our relationship. It was a really special show for us. And we loved it, but yeah, it really lost its way. But he came in sort of three or, season three or four, I think, as this, as a young, new, hip guy on the scene. And he was, he was decent in that, I thought. He sang, sang he some songs in- quite well. <laughs> Did he come into Glee Club riding a motorbike with a leather jacket on being, I'm the cool kid of Glee Club? I, I, I don't really understand what Glee is, but I, it's like it's like drama nerd singing at high school. 
that's what Glee Club is, right? Yeah, basically, we don't have that in the UK, so it's quite hard for us to understand. In the UK, if you if you have the the, the choir, that's not even remotely cool. I mean, well, I went to Catholic school, so it was only singing like sacred music, and I was the head of the choir. Thank you very much. But it it wasn't like that. No, Glee Club seems like they sing popular songs and songs from musicals and stuff. So Glee was a show that was a certain moment in time, I think, where people were hungry for content that would like include pop songs in it in a like a, a way that you'd love you go oh my god it's that song and it's part of the drama of this whole high school thing and it's like wow and now we have tiktok so we don't need any of that but like at the time it was huge <laughs> yeah i remember watching a tiny bit and thinking this is the most insufferable thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> and turning it off <laughs> and i was in the soul choir as well if you remember you were, but so yeah, quiet. So we was, were all like, was, that was that was our version of Glee at university, basically, because we don't have a cappella groups at universities either. Sorry to our American listeners. A lot of the stuff we have is not good, and you have good stuff. <laughs> that is, <laughs> is Glee really good? Glee strikes me as the worst thing in the world. Yeah, prob- if, if, if I was is. in an American high school, I'd go into Glee club with a crowbar and threaten them until they stopped singing. Yeah, you'd ride in on your motorbike, and I'd say learn an instrument and play in a, a, a sad punk band like what high schoolers are meant to do yeah and then michelle pfeiffer would sing about needing a cool rider <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah in cool my case street. it would be a, a furious walker <laughs> not a cool rider stumble around threatening people with a baseball bat that's that's what you do <laughs> the furious walker See, that's what that's what um, that's what you were doing instead of being in Glee Club. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was How different just... things could have been. <laughs> but, so, um, Cordover Street. Have you seen him in anything else? No, I've not. I like his name yeah. though, Cordover Street. Yeah, that's a good name. I think his a dad's a famous country singer, which makes sense. And that's why he's called Cord. Yeah. If he was a superhero, he'd then become Power Cord. <laughs> that's good i like that power cord um, over street that's what, good what else has he been in apart from glee i haven't seen him in anything else he's released a lot of like um music as well i think rock music as far as i can tell so he um, he is power cord yeah has he released an album called power chords surely no discography as called over street treehouse tapes hold on <sighs> stone man oh, boring stone man Man. Yeah. Um he should he should his band should be called Over in the Streets. Over Street o- Over Street and the Power Chords. That's good. That's good. I like that. Hey, Cord, my if good man. Come along. We know he's listening. He clearly listens every week. No, he listens he's every week. Clearly a big fan. Um uh, we'll be your managers. We'll come up with all of these great ideas for you. Big boys management will sign you. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get you we'll get you where you need to be. We've got a lot of money from our our film business that we want to invest into talent management. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, He is apparently in a TV show called Acapulco. Okay, I've not heard of that. Yeah, I don't know these these things. But here he is. um, He plays essentially Lars from Frozen, but in real life instead of animated. Lars? Is his name Lars? Who the fuck is Lars? (laughs) Lars Ulrich. (laughs) Lars Ulrich in Frozen. Isn't the blonde guy with the reindeer called Lars? Lars and the Frozen Girl. Yeah. No, his name's Christoph. Who's Lars? What's the reindeer called then? Is he called Sven? 
Nobody's called Lars. Well, they should be called Lars. Christoph, we did an episode Christoph. on Frozen and Frozen 2. How do you not remember this? You've it got, was three you've years ago. You've got Elsa and you've got not Elsa. Then you've got Reindeer Man <laughs> Lars. And then you've got Bad Man. I and really, then, really what? would like to hear you, maybe on another episode, retell the entirety of Frozen and Frozen 2 <laughs> on that basis with those characters. <laughs> It's like a monologue. I'll see what a one-man play. You know, like how Simon Callow does his like one-man Christmas Carol every year. Yeah, I'd like you to do your like Rob Gordon's (laughs) one-man Frozen. All right, okay, maybe we'll do a bonus. But the next, the next time, maybe you can't make an episode. We'll do a bonus episode, which is me just trying to do that. I would Um, love that so much. I I can remember if we had like a Patreon with paying subscribers, that would be the the premium content (laughs) that you had to pay for. I I can remember nothing about Frozen Two, by the way. I think there's some some goblins involved. Is it goblins? No. <laughs> Are there no goblins in Frozen Two? No. Um, no, I don't believe you. There's goblins. There are tro- in little trolls. In both yeah, the little troll guys. Little green, go- it, little green ghouls. <laughs> the, uh, little, the little green trolls. They're, they're in it. Yeah. See, I told you, goblins. Yeah, trolls, goblins, all the same thing. Absolutely. I'm glad you. Agree. Anyway, right. Um, sorry, I've completely. Um, I've got a note here because I need to lead you on another tangent. What's this about you being mistaken for Mr. Beast? Oh yeah, right. Okay. So this is like probably two years ago, maybe. I was at the park with my my son. Um, it was about eighteen months, maybe. Um, and we there's this this bit where we go that has like nice logs you can climb on and you know it's kind of outdoor climbing frame stuff and there was a group of boys about must have been about 12 13 maybe maybe four or five of them and they all started shouting at us going oh look it's mr beast it's mr beast and, and they go hey it's mr beast it's mr beast and like guys i'm not mr beast i knew who mr beast was which is quite rare with these kinds of things i don't know who youtubers the kids are into and they, i was like guys does mr beast live in byfleet and which is where I live, and they were like, "Oh no, probably not. He lives in like Los Angeles." And I was like, "Does he have like a one-year-old son?" I was like, "Probably not." But then one of them was like, "Yeah, but he, he if he did have kids, he wouldn't show them on the camera because he's like, you know, for his privacy and stuff." And then one of them was like, "Oh yeah," and then they all started like talking about how privacy was important. So I thought that was really cool. And anyway, they were like, and then they were like, "Okay, bye." And when we were leaving the park, they went. They all like ran up to us again and shouted, Goodbye, Mr. Beast! <laughs> that was it. Goodbye, Mr. Beast! <laughs> so I think they, they kind of like couldn't decide whether they wanted it to be true or not, even though they knew it wasn't. But I was they, pleased yeah. to be mistaken for somebody famous. From now on, you're the Mr. Beast of Byfleet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just what they call me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, this week's movie... We've got Lars from Frozen. Yep, Cordova <laughs> he, Street playing Lars from Frozen in real life. He's he's a he's a grumpy he's a grumpy man with with floppy hair who has a horse and does does and stuff. They like make that. him much older than he, le- he is. So he's in real life he's thirty three years old, uh, but he which is now apparently old enough for him to transition from being like a very very young fresh faced young man playing hunks to like dads. Basically, there's no line, is there? There's no, there's no continuum. It's like suddenly you're a dad. Suddenly you're, you're a like sexy dad, right? Well, and he crosses that dad. line. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah, well, what I was about to say was that in this film, what all <laughs> they've done 
has made him grow a little bit of a beard. And my beard is at that exact stage right now because I did Movember and then shaved it all off and I've been growing the beard back. We're sort of, we're two weeks into December. That's what my beard looks like right now. So I was like, hey, I like that look. He looks good. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you, they basically stole your life, didn't they? Sexy they did. dad with a cool little beard. Enjoys the snow. Yeah, loves the lodge. Me and my lodge. <laughs> I genuinely lodge. actually would love to live live in somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, so so uh, basically what happens is, yeah, they then fall in love. She's got explosive amnesia and um, they they bond in spite of the fact that she used to be a, a posh evil person and she no longer is and then they fall in love and and, that's and then it. it turns out that it reveals that she's a posh evil person but she still loves him and ditches, yeah, ditches her hilarious fiance who then is by it turns out i yeah. assume that's what happens at the end which it is goes nice. off with the um with the is it the guy like the hotel the concierge guy and they go off in the limo that that yeah, tickled me that was quite funny which was nice it's like oh yeah okay that's cool he you, was i'd never a, seen him a in a character who yeah, I'd, I'd not seen anything either. It's nice that they just had a bi character who's just bi and it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's cool. George what Young that? as Tad Fairchild. <laughs> he was very, very funny. I, I really it's enjoyed good. his performance. I enjoy him a lot in this. He's a lot of fun. Um, oh, apparently yeah. he's in Malignant, which didn't you say was a shit piece? It is. I don't remember him from Malignant. That's great. Maybe it was only in a small role. Let's have a look. How far up is he? Oh, no, he's third build in the cast. All right. Wow. I do not remember any of the cast of that movie. I just remember the things that happen in that movie. Um, we need to talk. <laughs> you need to watch it, and then we can talk about it. Not it as a great. full episode. It doesn't doesn't fit into our podcast whatsoever, but I think it's something that we could do a little 10 minutes on because, oh boy, will you enjoy Malignant. <laughs> um, Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we've got Cordova Street. We've got, we've got uh, as someone called Jake Russell, which is a very boring name for someone whose real life name is Cordova Street. Yeah. Um, particularly if your name's that got, good, you shouldn't be allowed to play boring characters. Particularly when you've got names like tad fairchild and sierra belmont not a member of the belmont clan of vampire hunters of course that we're aware of you never know that's true that's true you, yeah you maybe the know. sequel to this is going to be them yeah hunting vampires in the snow yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um but yeah th this movie follows the same i'm getting a little bit tired of the netflix um christmas format if i'm perfectly honest um where there's a few notes that this movie makes which all of them make one of the frustrating things is that they go to watch a castle for christmas on netflix in the movie it does the netflix thing and i hate that because that shuts off the opportunity for a crossover one day yeah uh, yeah i wanted like rude carrie elbows to turn up and start shouting at everyone <laughs> Yeah, they could. There could have been something like um, four in a bed. They could do a four in a bed movie where they spend time at this ski lodge. They spend time at the um, the castle for Christmas. They spend time at somewhere in Aldovia and somewhere in Belgravia. But now yeah. there are these issues where those movies aren't all part of the same Netflix Christmas cinematic universe because some of them are fictional movies. 
So you've, Netflix, you've, you've ruined it. You've ruined it for everyone. You've ruined my Christmas. <laughs> now, it, um, is it fair to say at this point, so this how many years in that, like the sort of Christmas rom coms have jumped the festive shark? Well, I think there are I lots think, of them, and they're now being churned yeah. out in a bigger way, and sort of. They've gone from being, you know, the Hallmark Channel curiosity at a bit of a joke to something that's actually now very mainstream. What I'm saying is that they're too mainstream now. They've gone mainstream. They've sold out. I don't like it. We were talking about them before anyone else. Yeah, I think the problem is... We were the first people ever to do a podcast about a Christmas prince. We were (laughs) absolutely (laughs) weren't, but... um, uh, The problem is that... Much like when you try and make a bad movie with making a bad movie in mind, you kind of lose a bit of the magic when you're following the same formula. That cynicism creeps in, which stops it from being as effective as it could be. Because there's bits of this movie that are really great. I really love Lindsay Lohan in it, for instance. Yeah. And the the general setup is a silly one, but could work quite well in a movie that was willing to take risks. Yeah, it doesn't take any risks, and you you know exactly the formula. So really, what you end up doing is focusing on the little things, like yeah, focusing more on the the, the silliness of Tad Fairchild at the expense of other stuff. And there's not enough of that. It's like the formula is not necessarily bad, but you have to really mix it up to make it truly good, don't you? Yeah, and we know exactly where this would go if they made a sequel, which is the same as where all of the other sequels go which is it basically becomes a fan fiction project where you hook up all of these different characters and spend time on them rather than telling an actual story, which is precisely what happens with all of the other sequels to Netflix Christmas movies. Yeah, exactly. Though I don't know how they could do a sequel to this. With the exception of the second Christmas Prince movie where they had the thing about the constitutional crisis of Aldovia. Oh yeah, and un- Uncle Crypto was there, or was that yeah, the third one? Yeah, Cryptocurrency. No, that was the second one. <laughs> so they had that subplot going on, but again, a lot of it was focused on, let's hook up these characters which never met in the first movie, because that's what the fans want. And maybe that is what the fans want, but it doesn't make it a good film. No. Um, Do, does this film have fans? Like, are people going to be go? We want the sequel where they, it's them doing it's, their skiing adventures. Lots of people talked about it. It's received eighteen thousand um, ratings on IMDb. Okay, so that's actually pretty good for a movie that only came out this year. Obviously, Lindsay Lohan is an immediate attraction for any of these kind of movies. So much so that they had to clumsily put in something about Mean Girls into the script. And oh yeah, I did not that appreciate was not that. Good. You know, let her, you know, you didn't put a Herbie fully loaded reference into this movie, did you? Maybe they didn't, I missed it. But she, she's more than just Mean Girls. And I think, give her a little bit of respect. They could at least know. have gone for the parent trap. Yeah, exactly. There, there's all sorts of, you know, she was in a lot of iconic, um, iconic movies. Yeah. And but- I just think you know, maybe give her a little bit more respect than this. I thought she was fine. At times she seemed a little bit wooden, but I think that might have just been the script that was full of kind of, think, as you know, Bob dialogue. I think dialogue. it's very... As you know, I'm very, very rich. Script. Yeah. Um, I think as you know, I'm sad because my wife was, is dead. She was doing what she could, as was Cordover Street, as was everybody. This is not a particularly great film, I think it's fair to say. Um, no. It's... It's still fun, and if you want to put on something Christmassy in the background, then um, 
then it's decent. It doesn't have an emotional dad speech, really, but it does no. have an emotional mother-in-law speech. Yeah, the the trouble is that the emotional dad is the sexy guy, so it's kind of rolled those two those two <laughs> things into one. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely, and I think that that's one of the problems here. Um, I do have a note saying this man is taking advantage of a woman with amnesia and getting her to do menial work around his ski lodge. Very true. Which I think is is fair. That is a, a big part of this movie is her making beds badly and doing washing badly and making breakfast badly because she's never learned how to do it because she's posh. Yeah, that's the joke. But it is just this person's got amnesia. Maybe they can do some of the chores around the ski lodge, which I think is not on. And they ring that joke until it's honest. threadbare, don't they? Yes, yeah. Um, I appreciate that the horse is named Balthazar. <laughs> yeah. Very good name for a horse. Also the name of one of Trent Reznor's children. Oh, very good. Um, and then the final note I've got written about this movie is rich people are bad and they should feel bad. <laughs> um, which, which is true. Which I'll stand by that. I'll stand they all own big that. silly sure, hotels. <laughs> I'm not sure what context that's in for this film. <laughs> Um, but clearly it's something that I felt important to know. Um, I think that's the message yeah, of this film, isn't it? Yeah, this movie is just quite, it's quite middling. Yeah, it's um, mid. It's, it is mid to to bring it back to the youth. Um, it's fine. You can put it on in the background when you're doing some rapping or something like that, but it's just kind of there. It's, I think the... The cast deserved better. This isn't this isn't like, you know, there's movies like Holiday, which again are kind of they kind of follow a formula, but at least it did something fun with it. Yeah. This isn't one of those. This is very much a Christmas Prince, but with bigger name people in it. But what I love about a Christmas Prince and the the Vanessa Hudgens one is all the kind of like the made up country and all the goofy stuff there. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. there's was, there wasn't much opportunity for that kind of thing in this, was there? No, exactly. Um, it didn't have the conceit the of there being of... a switch, or like there's always like a switch, or like Vanessa Hudgens playing four different characters. That kind of thing really carries a film in the way that this just didn't have that hook, did it? Yeah, here the gimmick is that she gets amnesia, but I don't. They didn't really do much with that. I think they thought Lindsay Lohan was a big enough name to carry it without there being a bigger hook. Yeah, but there's only so much she can solve. <laughs> they could have, and one thing that they could have done that's different is they could have completely ignored the amnesia thing and actually had a good movie where she did have an accident and they rescued her and then she was snowed in at the lodge. And then they were stuck in that situation where they were stuck in a ski lodge together. Yeah, and then because the, the and, amnesia thing feels lazy, doesn't it? Whereas if like yeah. if that was it, then she could have just known, yeah, just like seen the rustic charm of a beautiful bearded man emerge organically. Exactly. And I think that could have been a much sweeter movie rather than it being amnesia and then when she gets her memory back being actually, I do want the rustic charm. I think they actually could have they could have had that happen with her as a human being from the off. You could have had her rich influencer idiot boyfriend then be like going out in the snow to try and find her and then getting lost and being eaten by wolves or something, you know? Yeah, like what was that truly awful movie with um with the furry stuff in? Oh, um Pottersville. Pottersville. They I could have had hated it as, like, that Pottersville. Film. You did hate that film. <laughs> but that had a similar thing I've where they went seen. out on 
they went out on like a rescue mission or they were out trying to find Bigfoot or something and stuck in the snow. Yeah, it was Michael Shannon pretending to be Bigfoot or like finding Bigfoot. I can't remember. Yes, something like that. It's one I of can't the weirdest films exactly. I've ever seen. But but they could have had that two-tier thing where you had them being stuck in a ski lodge and falling in love and then having the the boyfriend character. Or maybe it's not a boyfriend in this case because then you might feel a bit mean about him trying to find her so diff- so desperately. But like a brother or something like that going yeah. out into the, the, the snow to find her. And you could have had like a two-tier two-tier thing. It could have been really fun. But yeah, it, um, it, it follows the formula. So it will be interesting to see what they do next year. You know, is this just mm. going to become even more generic stuff each year? Have they have they not just have they just completely dispensed with goof factor? Because there's no goof factor to this, is there? No, no. It, it it is just overboard, but cheap and in the snow is all. You know the movie Overboard? Cord Overboard. <laughs> Cord Overboard. Um, no, what's um, what's overboard? Overboard is basically this, but with a boat. Um, right. So, um, so rich, rich Goldie Horn um, has an accident and gets amnesia, and um, the the workman on her boat or something like that is like, right, I'm gonna um, just make people think that she's my wife and she's had amnesia. And then hijinks right, okay. So it's, it's basically a similar kind of thing to this, but slightly more manipulative. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn is relatively fun. Oh, okay. And they were given, married, weren't gi- they? Given it's yes, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to say about about this this movie? I don't think so. It's there. It's mid. Shall we rate it? Yeah, I don't even think it gets to Bon Jovi though. I'd give it a nine. Yeah, nine out of twenty. Nine out of twenty is fair. I wrote down that there was a good shot of a great grey owl, so I appreciated that. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, do better next year, Netflix, please. Yeah, That's up your game, is. please. Yeah. Up your game and do what Apple did and release an original musical starring Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds with songs by Pasek and Paul, the, the team behind Dear Evan Hansen, The Greatest yes. Showman, and, and more, which I did not know until I put it on, and then I was like, oh, yes, here we go. And We're you in know for a it's going to be you know it's going to be um, good. Like, at least catchy songs, at least. Yeah. Um, so did you enjoy um, Spirited? Yes, I did. I loved it. Unironically, absolutely loved it. And I, I think I I wasn't expecting it to be amazing. So maybe actually, like, I, it was diff- It wasn't what I was expecting in the best way, and that sort of made me really, really love it. Whereas if I think I actually knew that it was, it was a musical and all those things, and that like how it was, what kind of twist on a Christmas Carol it was taking. I don't know why I never seemed to have gotten any information from the trailers. I was just like, oh, all it is is it's a Christmas Carol with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell dicking about. I was like, that's in, that's enough of a hook for me. But yeah, so I loved it. What did you think? Yeah, I also really loved this film. Um. I will say, as someone who's not a big, um, not a big musical person, the songs in this movie are great, but there's too many of them. This movie is yeah. two hours long, and there's songs constantly. So if you're a big See, musical, I think compared person, to a lot of musicals, there aren't that many songs. They're definitely fewer than Dear Evan Hansen for the same runtime. Yeah, but Dear Dear Evan Hansen was not enjoyable. Creepy and weird. Yes, whereas this is not creepy and weird. But it felt like this this movie, two hours long, it did feel like for the most part there was a song every five minutes. 
and it got tiring for me but if you if you like musicals unlike me because i have no heart um you have no glee i have no glee as we've established um this is great if you like musicals because the songs are so good really good songs really well done the choreography is fantastic um really thought you know as an objective opinion here being putting my critic hat on my pretentious critic hat on are we about to do some serious film criticism i was i was making notes going oh yes the choreography here is very good and the songs all fit thematically with the moment that they're in you're gonna start very talking impressive. about dutch angles and Jean-Luc goddard <laughs> aren't you i'm going to write my review for the guardian and be a dick um <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the peter bradshaw podcast <laughs> I wonder if he's reviewed oh, it. I wonder. I wonder who did review it. I'm sure the Guardian has reviewed it, and they probably said something about how it's 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 not good. Oh, it's cheap. Um, <laughs> but um, I thought this was really good. Um, even as someone who this isn't a movie that it's entirely aimed at, I could appreciate how good this was. In the same way that you can appreciate how like um, Greatest Showman is 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 a really yes. good film. I might actually re-listen to our episode that we did on that because I think we had to admit that it was technically brilliant even though it was ridiculous and very silly. Yeah, whereas this leans into the silly. I'm amazed. I'm just having a look on Metacritic. It only gets a meta score of 55 and I think this is far better than that. That's outrageous. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that's incredibly unfair um, because this is, for me at least, this is a movie where... I'd be quite happy in future years putting this on in the background when I'm doing something like decorating the tree or wrapping presents. Absolutely. Because this is a movie, uh, The Guardian gave it two stars out of five. Who reviewed it? I'm going to um, send them a letter. Benjamin Lee, it was. Well, Benjamin Lee, you will be hearing from my lawyer. Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds hit all the wrong notes in Christmas Musical. The two make for an awkward double act in a slick but grating song and dance spin on a Christmas carol that will make Grinches of us all. Fuck off, I'm the biggest Grinch there is and you're talking shit, Benjamin Lee. <laughs> Benja Lee. Yeah. You, you have no heart and no joy and no goof. I think is the thing. People don't appreciate goof factor like us. And this film has major goof factor, doesn't what, it? What I loved about this film is this was extremely Christmassy because it's got all of that goof and silliness. But at its core, there's also that heart to its message. Yeah. And That's exactly what you need from a Christmas film. And especially one that is an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Okay, it's it's not trying to tell the exact same story, but I think it puts a really, really good twist and a really good spin on it in a way that at this point in time, what can you do with A Christmas Carol? It's been adapted so many times. It's the basis for most Christmas films, isn't it? Right? Well, yeah. And what they do is they say, what if Christmas Carol but Monsters, Inc.? Yeah, uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant they they recognize that actually rather than it being this mysterious thing about how these spirits appear recognizing that maybe they could have some fun about devising what the bureaucracy looked like behind assigning spirits to someone at christmas um and also i really liked at the end spoiler alert at the end i won't say who does it because i think that's a spoiler too far but they decide to expand so it's not just christmas carol but also um hanukkah hanukkah spirits and things like that (laughs) you know so so that kind that kind of thing that kind of um 
the capitalist mindset being input onto <laughs> the Christmas Carol model, I think, was a really funny setup. Um, yeah. And I really liked that. I think there was lots of very clever things in this movie that is inherently goofy. Uh, and it's it, a great it worked concept. really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it, it, were, it it's a fantastic concept and I think it's very well executed as well. I don't understand how those reviews are so low because I had a lot of fun with this film. It's a great concept, well executed, and it would be that even if it didn't have good songs and have that kind of the musical yeah, yeah. swell of it as well. Yeah, if this wasn't a musical, it would still be a really good idea, actually. And I think there's lots of ways that they do clever inversions to the Christmas Carol story, but without making it a cynical, like, well, that just happened, Joss Whedon-esque <laughs> nonsense film. Um, because, That's because of, happen uh, if they cast Christopher Pratt as the ghost of yeah. Christmas present. Hi, I'm I'm Scrooge. My name's Chris Pratt, and I'm Scrooge. Look at how good I am at acting. It's a me, <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> um, I used to be a bad man, and now I'm a good man. <laughs> well, that just good happened. afternoon. Marley Marley visits him and scares him and he goes, Oh, what was all that about, eh? I'm shaken <laughs> to my core. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Can um, we talk about um the the Jacob Marley visit, which is really, really good. Is and has all yeah. the chains and stuff that I think visually are inspired by the Muppet Christmas Carol. But he also looks a bit like Mortius or um Papa Emeritus from the band Ghost, and I appreciated that. <laughs> that was good actually, yeah. Now that you've said it. Um, yeah, I think th- there's all of these sort of nods to other Christmas things going on in this film, and it works really well. Um, what I really like, though, is the way that it does... Um, some of this movie is about Scrooge as a good person coming to terms with, am I a good person or am I a bad person who's covering up for bad things that I've done by being good? Yes, because obviously in a, a Christmas Carol, it, it takes that thing that you, the bit that you, you you must wonder about, which is that, you know, okay, he was good for one day and then the story ended. Like, was he good for the rest of his life? And in this film, what happened is, yeah, well, we always have a spoiler warning, but Scrooge died three weeks after that and then became the ghost of Christmas present, started working. And now he's spent like centuries haunting people and getting them to be good. So, but then it's like, does that mean that he is good and he wants his kind of second chance and that kind of thing, which is such a great setup. That'd be a great setup for a serious film, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really, um, it's a really clever thing for them to have done and it works. It works incredibly well. It's really impressive. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's such a clever idea. And I think it, it gets to a root of humanity that you wouldn't necessarily expect from a film like this, which is, well, what does make you a good person? Well, doing a film that which halfway through features like a Dickensian number with Ryan Reynolds putting on a Cockney accent to joke about (laughs) swearing for five minutes. Yeah. Or, and, and the line, he's like a mix between Mussolini and Seacrest. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> made me laugh out loud when they said that, that was, really i wrote that one down as well um but, but yeah in, will ferrell in the same song tells someone that they smell of shite <laughs> like all of this nonsense stuff but then there is this thing about well what makes you a good person well it's doing good things and having that empathy for other people around you and that's that that's that's how Ryan Reynolds' character comes to be a good person as well. It's having that empathy, having that understanding of the ramifications of what they do and why it's important to care for other people. 
And it's that caring that makes people good people. It's recognizing recognizing that other people's lives are important and acting accordingly is what makes you a good person. It's that action based on the empathy that we have. And yeah, maybe he is trying to make amends for the bad things that he's done. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what he's doing is good and that makes him good. And it's really, it's it's quite touching the way that it does talk about those kind of issues in a movie that is primarily absolute nonsense. Yeah, in a movie that is peppered with ridiculous songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Ridiculous songs that have, you know, very, very silly lyrics and funny lines that it's like, this is the like the funniest Pasek and Paul joint, isn't it? Like, mm, I think those absolutely. two guys are at the, yeah. the height of their powers right now. So I, whatever they're going to do next is going to be amazing. But like, The Greatest Showman is quite serious, isn't it? They they also worked on La La Land. Dear Evan Hansen is very weepy. And, you know, but this this is just like on another level, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. This is the best of the lot for me, at least. I mean, like, I, I hated La La Land, as we've <laughs> yeah, established yeah. before. Dear Evan Hansen. Episode four. N- yeah, early on. Um, Dear Evan Hansen, not keen on. Um, Greatest Showman is a catchy numbers and good in that way. This is the best of the lot for me. Absolutely, easily. yeah. I, I've listened to some of the songs since. They hold up very, very well. I listened to them while I was doing the washing up. I was like, this is, this is good. I like this. This is enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I could throw this into a Christmas it's... playlist. And it would work. It's directed by Sean Anders, who I don't think I've seen anything else by him. Um, you mean you written, haven't seen Mr. Popper's Penguins? I have not seen Mr. Popper's Penguins. I know he wrote Hot Tub Time Machine, but as a director, um, I've not seen Horrible Bosses 2. No. Oh, okay. Um, I mentioned this before. We watched Instant Family we happened to catch it on TV and it was a time we were just like, well, shall we watch this? Cause nothing on it. It just started. It's like, oh, Mark Wahlberg. And it was surprisingly really good. And I am going to now say that now that I can link those two films with a writer and director in my head, that that film starring Mark Wahlberg is good because of Sean Anders, not because of Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Oh, like it was, it was one that we did not expect to be good and was. And that is uh, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne, who has a small cameo in this movie. That explains why she's got a small cameo at the beginning in a very funny scene. Um, Yeah, interesting. And Daddy's Home is also Will Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Um, And I think it's the same for Daddy's Home 2 as well, Um, which, again, I've not seen. But they, they seem to get all right user scores as well. Maybe we should... Maybe we should give those a go. They came out at Christmas time. Yep. There's a, I think I've seen a bit of one of the Daddy's Home films and it was bad, but I can't remember. <laughs> well, we'll have to watch them at some point. But yeah, th- this movie is... Um, Hot Tub Time Machine has been on my list for a long time. So Hot Tub Time Machine is worth that. watching. That's a good one. Well, maybe good's not the right word, but enjoyable is the right word. Um, but yeah, this is a good film. I very much enjoyed Spirited. Yeah. I wish it was called something better than Spirited. It doesn't really fit, does it? Because the moment that I hear about something called Spirited, my mind obviously instantly goes to Spirited Away. Yes, mine too. 
In fact, I googled so, it to see if Peter Bradshaw had reviewed it, and what came up was his review of Spirited Away, which I'm never going to read because I don't care what anyone thinks about that film. Did he say that it me, was shallow and pedantic? Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what could you have called this? I mean, all the good ones are taken, aren't they? Scrooged is taken. Scrooge 2022. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what they do now, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they do. Or Cyber Scrooge. <laughs> Cyber Scrooge 2037. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they should have called it. Um, there's a great um, I Think You Should Leave sketch about uh, about Scrooge, where he gets visited by the ghost of Christmas way future, um, where Scrooge has to be taught how to fight um, skeleton monsters from the future <laughs> by, no. by, by Sam Richardson in a giant mech suit. It's extremely good. Now that's a game I would um, play. <laughs> I'll see if I can. If I'll see if 2D. I can find it, um, and I'll send it to you to put in the show notes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and you know, I, I think this has the goof factor of Holmes and Watson, doesn't it? In in spirit, it's a shame John C. Ryder wasn't in it anywhere, anywhere. But I think it it it, it, t- it carries on the thread of that film. And I think it's fitting that we didn't we start this year by talking about Holmes and Watson, and we're all towards the end of it now talking about this. I just wanted to talk about Holmes yeah. and Watson again. <laughs> I, th- I think I think um, yeah it I it I don't think it has as much of the goof factor as as Homer's Watson, which is I need to rewatch that movie because it's truly something special. Um, I don't un- I don't understand why people didn't enjoy it. It is just the best nonsense. <laughs> um, it's fantastically stupid. Um, but but yeah, it it has a similar sort of thing going on. Um, but here. Yeah, it's not quite as silly. And I think maybe if it had been sillier, it could have been even better. Yeah. But I I, I thought that the level of silliness really, really worked because it balanced it well with the, the serious content and the serious message and the kind of the uplifting Christmas message of it wasn't lost beneath Will Ferrell saying, you smell of shite, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is no, what I, people I, would I, say I, about this. People who don't like Will Ferrell and dismiss him, like my wife who hated it, sat there like uh, grumping through Paddy, the whole do you thing. Wanna try, do you want to try saying that again? <laughs> what? My wife. Oh, sorry. Varen, <laughs> Varen, I mean, no, my wife. <laughs> you, have to, you have to do. <laughs> sorry. We, we've now reached the stage oh, in culture. I've, I've just broken international a... law. <laughs> <laughs> we've now reached the stage in culture where you. You have to, by law, say my wife in a Borat voice as no anti humor. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Um. So my wife hated this film, <laughs> but she was never going to like it because she hates Will Ferrell and she hates Ryan Reynolds. For and, and yes. I think the hate of Ryan Reynolds is justified because of Just Friends, which is a crime. I still, <laughs> even though I think he is fantastic in this film, I will never forgive him for Just Friends. But um, I think. I think his career is an interesting one because he went from just being a big old jerk in comedy movies where you think about the early stuff that he was in like um, Van Wilder and um, and what Waiting and Just Friends all of those kind of movies uh, he plays the sassy jerk and that's kind of what that's kind of what made his career as a as a sort of comic actor but over time he's done different bits and pieces like adventureland is a really interesting film we should talk about at some point which i think is him 
inverting that trope a little bit and making people realize actually that kind of um masculine trope of a character is quite toxic yeah i've not seen um, that and going on to be into all being all sorts of different stuff over the years so i i obviously deadpool is his big thing yeah i've not seen any of those either have you not seen deadpool it is good actually and you will know us by um, the pool of dead no never seen it <laughs> I like that reference. He's also in one of the best alien knockoffs ever made, um, a movie called Life, um, which is just alien but made again in 20, I'm going to say 2017, 2016, something like that, also starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Really fun little sci-fi horror film that's worth watching. Um, But yeah, I think he's had an interesting career where he's done these different things, and now he's sort of come back round to being the sassy jerk character but doing it in a way that's far less misogynistic and cruel yeah and i feel like where this, it is this being film misogynistic and cruel the point is that that's a bad thing whereas previously it wasn't necessarily saying this is a bad thing yeah casting him in this role this film knew exactly what it was doing but it didn't make him one-dimensional did it i thought what was no the, what no. really makes this film work is his character not will ferrell's character who is great but what elevates this film from good to great is that Ryan Reynolds' character does have layers, you know, and he's not just a jerk, you know, there is the the kind of, and the stuff about his family and his past isn't sort of shoehorned in, it isn't tacked on, it isn't always shown at the most convenient moments for the plot, you know, so his character is really, really good as well, and then he, he tries to start digging his claws into Will Ferrell and their friendship grows, and actually the last number is kind of about their friendship more than anything else, yeah. and that's really yeah. nice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, there's a bromance, this movie. There is romance in there between Will Ferrell and Octavia Butler, but really this is a movie Octavia about, Spencer. Um, Not Octavia Butler, the, the sci-fi oh. novelist. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Octavia, uh, Octavia Spencer, yeah. Um, who's great, by the way. Who is awesome, um, yeah. In in everything as well. It's so worth many great, great books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Octavia Spencer um, is great. Have you seen Ma? No, I've heard good things oh, about man. that. It is so good. Underrated movie. That's really good fun. We should talk about that at some point as well. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, she's brilliant in everything. That That's a silly yeah. movie that she's in that she's great in. But like, she's just someone who adds, adds power to whatever she's in. Um, and someone else, I want to call out Sunita Mani in this as well. Yes, very, very really funny. good. Um, did you watch Mr. Robot? No, I never did. That was that's good. I think it's still all up on Netflix or Amazon. One of one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's really good. Um, and she's she's brilliant in that and brilliant in everything. Worth 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 noting. And yeah, she's really fun here too. I don't think I'd seen um, her before, and I I thought her performance was fantastic. She's in a great little horror movie called Evil Eye. All right, where um. Uh, someone's mum so her mum meets her daughter's new boyfriend and realises it's the reincarnation of someone who tried to kill her (laughs) when she was younger it's so good Um, it's a really fun it it didn't get very good reviews but it's a really enjoyable um, silly silly horror movie that came out on Amazon a few years ago um yeah that's another great one um but yeah everyone in the supporting cast here is is fantastic aren't they yeah there's absolutely no one letting the side down 
Um, the guy who plays Jacob Marley, fantastic. Um, what's his name? Patrick something? Patrick Page. Patrick Page. I don't think I've seen him before yeah. either, but he was fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah, no, he's really good. Really good here. Um, I don't know if I've seen him in, in anything. I think he's done a lot of television stuff. Yeah, um, even right down to all the, the like Dickensian people in that silly song. Um, yeah, they all did a great job. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's good. It's good. It's really good. It's for me. It's it's this year's kind of new big Christmas hit, and I think it's really it's good to to have this alongside Falling for Christmas as an example of something that is just doing the same thing over and over, playing it safe. I think this film actually is very very different to a lot of stuff that's out there and takes a lot of risks, and that's why it scores a mid because people people don't like things that take risks people that people want just want to watch the same old rubbish over and over again don't they yeah yeah exactly they j- and this is not that this is the antidote to that yeah precisely this is the opposite of it's a comforting christmas film to watch but it's not comfortably created i guess is the best way to put it this is the film that is something new no and it's worth watching worth 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 giving it a watch and, you know, even though it's a goofy musical, you kind of have to pay attention to it more than a Hallmark movie, I guess, to to understand the full emotional impact of it and understand why Will Ferrell is doing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's some layers here. But you can also just enjoy it for the fun songs. Yeah, there's you know, also that. You don't have to delve its depths. You can just paddle on the surface. No, but I think it does have depth. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. Absolutely does. So I'm really, really glad that it exists and it, it came out, I think, at a good time in, you know, Christmas film history. And I, I get the impression that people might not remember it in the future, but hopefully it'll become sort of a cult classic, maybe if, you know, at worst. At best, it'll be one that people watch year on year on year. And I, I certainly will enter my Christmas rotation. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the problems is that it's on Apple TV, which is one of the less popular streaming services. Yes. Um. So it is going to limit, if this had had a, I don't think it's had a theatrical release at all, has it? I don't think so, no. If it had a theatrical Apple, release... Apple probably don't allow that. No, but if it, if it had a theatrical release, I think lots of people would have gone to see it where they could. Um, and it's the kind of thing that would thrive on syndication every year at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Whether that will happen when it's locked behind an Apple subscription service, that might limit how many people see it, which I think is a real shame. That's really true, actually. Yeah, if this was hitting cinemas in two thousand and three, this would have been the biggest box office smash. Yeah, and and this and it would have then become a continued thing each year that people watch. But will it have that same impact when more people have Netflix, and then they can just go, "Oh, let's put on the Christmas Prince again." Yeah, that's that's what's so interesting about today's film and TV landscape, isn't it? The yeah, the, there's so much choice and so much content and so many different platforms. It's just ridiculous that a film starring as many big names as this, that cost as much money as this, that is this good, isn't the thing that everyone's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. It's bizarre, yeah. isn't it? All of this choice, but with all of that choice where there's also that financial impact comes many more boundaries for people to watch things so it's easy for things to get siloed away where no one will ever see it again i mean sorry for making this into a serious point on this podcast but when you look at how hbo max is looking at the moment they're taking things like westworld off their streaming services 
Yeah. Which is atrocious. So these people who are paying for this streaming service won't be able to access some of the most popular HBO content that's been created in recent years because the service provider is taking it off. And the reasons for that, people are speculating it's things like not wanting to pay residuals to the people involved and things like that. They're doing it for a financial reason. But that means that art is being lost, that culture is being lost. And although Westworld lost its way, that first series in particular is one of the best pieces of television ever made. And we're going to lose that unless you own it on Blu-ray because of pencil pushes. I never saw it. Because there's nowhere else where you're going to be able to, there's nowhere else where you're going to be able to see it. It will just be on HBO Max if HBO decides they want it to be on there or if you're in the Blu-ray. And you you, you never saw no. it. No. But it's really incredible, incredible stuff. I suspect that there will be more of this to come in the coming years as things sort of start to tighten up a bit, maybe because there is so much choice and people don't have as much money. I think they are losing subscribers, if I remember rightly from just hearing the other day, reading news about it. You know, streaming platforms are struggling at the moment and there will be more of this. There will be more content disappearing, more good content. And then it just kind of goes into a content black hole, doesn't it? As you say, unless you own a physical format, it's a difficult one. It's a bit like um, yeah, and- trying to play old Castlevania games, just to turn it around to my favourite subject. But there's like no way to <laughs> legally play the DS games unless you want to yeah, buy a so, ds and pay like a hundred dollars for a for a car it's like yeah so the the answer as always is piracy yeah. <laughs> if you want to actually be able to watch these things or play these things piracy is the only answer because someone who wants to make sure that the shareholders get more money than ever before is going to make the decision to make it impossible for you to access yeah. and that's what it comes down to is when we talk about things like the cost of living crisis having an impact on these companies what that means is people are too poor to be able to afford to pay for streaming services because the people who own those streaming services aren't doing things in the best interests of their customers yeah because they're pushing for laws which make things more hyper capitalist which leads to greater inflation which leads to all of us being poorer and being unable to pay the bills and rather than thinking about things in terms of the best output for humanity they're thinking about those shareholders they're thinking about how much more money they can make for millionaires so if you want to see movies like this in a broader spectrum if you want to see stuff like westworld overthrow capitalism yeah that's that's the message that we need to get around to every week isn't it will ferrell as the ghost of christmas present says overthrow capitalism (laughs) that's the message of a christmas carol the message of a christmas carol is capitalism is bad and i think we should all take that message on board and go and burn down hbo's offices so let's get that festive spirit get those torches burning and let's go light some fires Let's get that Christmas morning feeling. (laughs) Warm ourselves in the snow over the fires of capitalism. Yep. We'll bring Pasek and Paul along. They can have a piano. They can sing a song about it. They can sing internationale to people. (laughs) And they can do a little choreographed number number for it. Yeah. Anyway, I I only had one other thing I wanted to say, which is that I think it references a Christmas carol in a very fun way and sort of pokes fun at it um, in a way that makes it seem like, yes, this is an adaptation and an homage, but it's like a lot of the films that take it too seriously that have adapted it are stupid, which is, there are a few moments, but one that really stuck out to me was when it's towards the end of the film when Will Ferrell's trying to do the Ghost of Christmas Present thing in the traditional way, because he's had the bollocking from Marley. And he does that thing that the Ghost of Christmas Present always does, where he says, come on in and know me better, man. And he's on the huge thing of, like, oh, the huge pile of food. And they're, like, talking to them. Ryan Reynolds just goes, you can stay up here in your giant toilet of food. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that really made good. me laugh. That was very funny. 
<laughs> oh dear. So yeah, Spirited um, is great. Please go and yeah. watch it and enjoy it. So what's what score are you giving it then? Oh, I I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a nineteen out of twenty because it's Christmas and I'm feeling generous. Oh, very good. I'll give it a seventeen because it's not as romantically strong as it could be for this podcast series. Yeah. But I thought the romance awesome. between them was sweet, but it's kinda of, it's more about the bromance, isn't it? It's a bromance movie, not a romance movie. But it is good. It's well worth watching. The best new Christmas movie this year that I've seen. Absolutely. And are we going to talk about something else that's going to take that crown? I seriously doubt it. No, no, I, I, I doubt it too. Yeah. So what are what are we going to do next? I don't know if we agreed, did we? No. I mean, there is a movie that I've watched that I want your opinion on and want to inflict on you. That um, that's how this show usually works. So yeah, let's do that. What's how, it called? It's you called texted Father, me about it. But if, <laughs> it's called Father Christmas is Back. Father Christmas is back. Available on Netflix. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I feel like we've watched two movies that are sort of Christmassy, and we Making need to watch one night. that's supposedly Christmassy, but actually will remove all of your Christmas spirit. Oh, good. Uh, so all of the joy that I'm still <laughs> feeling from having watched Spirited almost a week ago is going to be is going to be evapor- yeah. is going to evaporate. Okay. Yeah, that's what I bring to the table. Sounds good. <laughs> all right well thanks a lot for tuning in we really hope you enjoyed um for i was gonna say falling in love then falling for christmas and or spirited um if you're gonna only watch one of the two obviously go for spirited neither of them are bad and you know christmas is a time for watching a lot of films so i say go and watch them both you know stick them both on but yeah, yeah. please i i really do just want to say that i love spirited and i think you should watch it yeah absolutely is it's brilliant i mean both of the films are worth having a watch neither of them is awful no um but spirited is is really really good so yeah do go and do go and watch it i'm really really glad that you liked it as well yeah That's no it's, nice. it's awesome it's awesome it's, i wasn't sure you know given that it's a musical I, I it was i yeah it was rocky ground i was worried and you know how good it's got to be for me to love it Exactly. If it's a musical and Rob loves it, then you know it's got to be good. <laughs> you know it's going to be good, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, there is a link in our show notes where you can give us money, like a virtual tip jar. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us, Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Um, always love to hear from you. And we're very, very glad it's the festive season. So we'll celebrate by coming back next week to talk about what's called Father Christmas's Home. Father Christmas is back. Father Christmas is back. All right. Ho, 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 jingle bells, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Never going, never showing up when we had to Attention that we crave, don't tell us to behave I'm sick of always hearing act your rage I don't want to waste my time Become another casualty of society I'll never fall in line Become another victim of your conformity And back down To drink in proportion My doctor said my mom should have had an abortion I don't want to waste my time Become another casualty of society I'll never fall in line Become another victim of your conformity and back down. Mm -hmm.